well, this is what I've been doing for almost a decade, if not, you know. And it was like, man, uh, I lost like a sense of identity, truly. You know, I went through this like identity crisis um, and lost like this kind of fulfillment. And, you know, but during that time and like kind of going through it, it allowed me to kind of figure out, you know, well, what is a migraine problem like I can solve? Like, what is a solution? Not like, not like a headache problem where everyone's like, oh, you know, I have a headache. I'm going to power through. But like, what's a migraine problem that is literally causing people, you know, hours off of their day, stress, you know, all those things. And so I'm still in the fitness industry. And that's like this new company that, you know, we are launching right now and you know just started. But, you know, this was an idea that was came about five to seven years ago. Millennials are the generation that wants it all and they know how to get it. Alex Salzman is perfection. 2020 drove 41.3% of businesses to close. Tech entrepreneur Alex Salzman was no exception when the company that he worked with was crumbling at the height of its success. Alex was forced to switch gears and that led him to build a company which leverages technology to improve and solve real customer problems. He generously took the time to answer all of my questions and tell us his story. Alex, welcome to Art of the Misfit podcast. I grew up in Sarasota, uh, Florida, shout out, stomping grounds. Um, and I kind of just been all over since. I mean, went after high school, um, ventured to North Carolina for school, um, moved to a, back to Florida, trying to like figure out that next step and uh, moved to Atlanta. And I was in Atlanta most recently prior to where I am now in Dallas, um, five, six years. And uh, then I left. Atlanta and now I'm here in Dallas. Why did you go to Atlanta? Yeah, so I was with a fitness chain and um, basically I presented them with an idea. Um, I was working for them. We had maybe, I don't know, 20 locations at the time. And at the time I was working for their third party independent training company, but like on the, the business side and I was like, wow, we're kind of missing like the boat here. Why doesn't this organization like have an in-house program? I mean, that seems to be the the right thing to do. And so I pitched it. I think just, you know, knowing the right people, I pitched the, you know, them the idea. And they said, hey, if you want to start this up, no problem. We'll give you like free reigns to do it. You just have to move to Atlanta. And Atlanta at the time was a new market. So they didn't have any of the independent, you know, programs inside of there. It was like a standalone. and it was essentially an opportunity to have like a blank canvas to see what worked, what didn't work. Um, and I originally was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll set this up for you guys. I basically signed a three month agreement with them as like a consultant. And then that three month agreement turned into eight, nine years uh, equity into the company, multiple rounds, you know, of private equity um, and all of those things. So it kind of, took off from an idea in 20 locations to, I think, 20 or 123 locations when it was all, wow. you know, at its peak. So it, it definitely took off a lot bigger and a lot faster than I think we really anticipated. Um, but yeah, it was uh, right timing, knowing the right people, you know, a lot of trust in that. And then kind of going, you know, being able to, the good news is was, the people that I was uh, reporting to, they their mindset was a lot like mine. Like, hey, look, 
let's throw everything against the wall and what's going to stick, we're going to keep and what doesn't work, let's move on next month. And so it was a lot of like trial by error for all of us. Uh, no one, no one knew what to do with 120 plus locations and, you know, almost or a million members that were paying on a monthly basis. Like no one really ever dreamed of that. So it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, and I mean, it was a quick journey. Like I said, like everything was moving so fast. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was kind of, that was the peak of everything. What was the idea that you pitched? Yeah. So, I mean, you've been in fitness forever, right? Like it's kind of like, um, um, I'll use, you know, the big staple that everyone knows is like LA fitness, you know, they're the thousands and thousands of locations and you go in to an LA fitness and everyone's providing you the ability to work one-on-one with a personal trainer. And, you know, majority of the population has never had that opportunity because the stigma is, well, I can't afford a trainer, you know, only celebrities use trainers. I'm intimidated by trainers, you know, all of that. And so what we wanted to do is essentially build out an internal, you know, program um, where it was easy. It was comfortable. Um, Considering the gym that we had at the time, it was first time gym users for most of, you know, them. And so you didn't want it to be an intimidating process. You wanted it to be easy. You wanted them to have some guidance and knowledge. And so basically what we did was we created an internal personal training program where eventually through the years, we created our own certification. Uh, we we made all of the trainers that were on, which I think at the, at the peak, we had 6,000 personal trainers. And um, when when they would come on, they would have their own certifications, but then we would have them go through our certification process so that everyone was kind of speaking the same language um, through PTA Global um, and that build out. And so, yeah. How did you figure out about PTA Global? I mean, did you have a trainer? What what inspired that? Um, honestly, that wasn't even me. I think okay. like the big thing too was like having the right team around you. Um, so we had someone that came on board um, and he had a lot of experience with, you know, building out curriculums and, you know, a ton of knowledge in, in this space and a ton of different certifications. And so he had the connection with them and with working closely with them, he was able to say, hey, like, can we work together on creating a curriculum that is nationally accredited, board certified, that kind of hits all the points that we need. And so what we did was we created two paths with PTA Global. One was if someone came out of school or they didn't, you know, they wanted to essentially be a trainer right out the gate. We had a start day one being a personal trainer, a full-blown certification for them. And then there was other people that spent, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, as you know, with their certifications. And so we had like a bridge course that they could take to kind of bridge the gap between the two. Um, And the idea of it was that like, you know, we would put our own, you know, emphasis and our own um, little points and nuggets in there so that when they were going through this certification, they would also have like our brand and our what we were trying to focus with you know on and things like that so it was it was a good process um absolutely and it and if anything you kind of just kept everyone on the same page right like i think you know a lot of people come from different certifications and schooling and you know you can have all that knowledge but now that everyone's coming into the same organization they're speaking the same language right and the guy that that you guys hired on did you find him uh, no, um, our, I think at the time, um, our CEO or COO did, and it was like through LinkedIn, uh, actually, it was just like a, a connection of sorts. And it was funny because 
the individual that did that and came on, he drove down in his car from Boston for an interview. And then that interview turned, no, to this was, our office was in Deerfield Beach in Florida. So I was flying back and forth uh, like crazy. Um, And so he drove down for an interview and then we all had him in our, in different markets. And he came with us on, on travels to see, you know, like a working in, into those um, like locations and seeing how he would do. And we all loved him. And then he came on and, you know, was with us for however many years. So all of this started with an idea and then it flourished into several different locations. Then it turned into a, a program. And I remember PTA Global. I don't recall if it was mm-hmm. difficult or not, but I do remember that it was a lot of work. It was just a lot of yeah. a lot of work for the yeah. certification. Did you ever take that? Yeah, we we uh, the four of us that um, were on the executive senior you know partner team, we all we all took it. Um, so on top of like the day to day, like at night, we would do okay, do this section by next week because what we didn't want to do was not take it and you know make everyone else take it. Like we wanted to feel those pain points as well while doing everything else. Um, so we made sure that we went through that that process as well um, during that time. So I actually, I want to go back a little bit because you said eight or nine years in private equity. How old were you when all of this started, when you pitched that idea, just back to the very, very beginning? Um, I think I was probably 22, 20, 22, 23. Um, <laughs> you were super, yeah, super young. Yeah. You had nothing to lose, right? And, yeah. um, you know, I met the right people and um, I became like really close with with um, this girl that was uh, like in charge of the market at the time that I was working within. And so like when it came time for like, you know, this process, like she gave me a call. She's like, hey, remember that whole conversation? Like, do you want to do this still? And I was like, yeah, like, what do you need from me? And she's like, well, can you be in Atlanta next week? I'm like, what? You know, so I packed up my car, drove to Atlanta and, you know, I was in a hotel for a while and we kind of just, you know, made it, made it work. Like I really didn't anticipate it everlasting as long as it did. I mean, this, the journey was an absolute roller coaster, right? Like, I mean, went from that to not really knowing what to do to figuring it out to, you know, having, you know, a hundred plus clubs under me to developing different platforms and sales processes and commissions and you name it, we went through it. Um, you know, hosting leadership camps and putting all that together. Like, I mean, these were all things that you know we all fell into. Um, and then the group of us kind of, you know, we went from thinking, you know, with our equity, we were going to make a, a good amount of money, you know? So that was like me moving from Atlanta um, to Texas, to Dallas, was to establish residency for 12 months before we were going to sell. And so in my mind, I had like this thought like, wow, you know, what a great story. I'm going to sell. I'm going to make, you know, a ton of money, like potentially seven figures is what we were thinking in the beginning, like all this stuff. And then then COVID hits and, you know, all that kind of gets ripped away from you. So um, it was definitely uh, when you kind of look back on it, you, you don't even think about like those early stages of, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. to get to the airport to be at a meeting in Florida at 930 you know, to opening markets left and right, to buying, you know, 20, 30 clubs overnight and flipping them to your brand, you know, and having senior managers under you. Like, I mean, it was a whirlwind of an experience for sure. That was all in 2020? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I moved. When did I move? I moved 
it was back and forth, you know, an end, end of 2019 mm-hmm. to 2020 and between Atlanta and Dallas, like kind of like moving, we had multiple offers to sell um, and at the end of 2019, like hundreds of millions of dollars um, to sell. And we said no, um, because ramping up to go into Q1, we were planning on having our biggest Q1 ever, dumping a ton of money into marketing. All of us were ready. We were been planning for this for six months. We were staffed appropriately and it was all hands on deck. And um, so we said no to multiple offers to massive, you know, companies. Um, and then by February, all offers were off the table wow. as COVID started, started itself. Um, then March hits and then layoffs started. And when we went from, I mean, at that time, I don't know, 6,000 total employees. I think, I think I said 5,000 trainers, but what I meant was employees. And I think we had roughly four or five trainers per location. So probably, I mean, a couple thousand trainers for sure. Um, and layoffs started and, you know, we did one round of layoffs, two rounds of layoffs, three rounds, you know, um, we had people that were just giving up bonuses and giving up salaries so that they could keep some people around. Uh, we, we kept every salaried manager, mid-level manager, um, senior manager, executive team. We kept it everyone that we could for as long as we could. And that really stayed the, the course of the entire time. Um, but think about all the employees that are like the heartbeat, right? The, the trainers, the front desk, the cleaning, the um, childcare staff, like you name it, the office staff that we had to let go. Um, and so that was like a really tough, tough thing because, you know, no one really sees that from your seat, your point of view, and you're trying to save every penny you possibly can. And you're okay even going in debt to keep some of these people and just adding it on. But when you have to fire some people and let them go, we tried strategically doing it early on. So a lot of these people could beat the line for unemployment and we were giving them packages as like, this is what you need for unemployment here. You know, we were at being as detailed as we possibly could, but unfortunately, like, I mean, some people like still didn't see that, you know, so it was going through, you know, terrible text messages and emails from like people that we had to let go. And, you know, it was just, um, that was a tough, that was a tough, tough time, you know? And I think during that time, what we tried doing, I remember is like every day was a new battle for us. This isn't like, Hey, well, how are we going to get sales? Like, forget about that. Every day we went in as an executive team, having a call every morning to try to plot out and plan what we were going to be doing for that week, that day, whatever it was. And we took that time to do like ongoing development and training. And we're going to do this, this, and this. And during that time, like, you know, we had some great seminars and some great stuff, but it got to a point where we were kind of like, well, we would be naive not to look at the financial statements right now. We'd be naive not to look at our balance sheet right now. And we'd also be naive to think that this could last a lot longer. Um, and so like all of those things were starting to really get into people's heads. And what I found myself doing was I was giving emotionally everything I could to all of my direct people. Um, you know, so talking them off of ledges and they would call me at night and I got my kids and I got this and I got that. And, and I'm like, listen, you know, we're powering through this and we're doing this and, you know, we, we're, we're going to make it through this, you know? And I was, I was literally that rock for so many people. And I think when I hung up that phone, like it hit me, you know, and I think I personally did not, um, 
I don't know. I didn't, I did not allow myself to really feel out my own emotions, right? Like I was more worried about my people and, you know, my team around me than anything else. So I think I put this facade on, like not even knowing. Um, I think like after therapy during this process, it could kind of, you know, opened up that I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I was doing that. But um, yeah, it that was the absolute toughest thing that, you know, you could ever imagine because here we are six months ago thinking, wow, we're going to sell, like, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What do you know? We're all, we're all going to do something together, you know, like, you know, really kind of thinking that this was going to be a lifelong of the same teammates that you're working with and, you know, kind of go from there. So it was, um, it was a tough, tough situation. The fitness industry alone, it has such a high turnover rate, but to go from 2019 thinking you're going to make this, you know, seven, seven figure number with this huge company with all these people, Every quarter in business is important, but Q1 for the fitness industry is crucial because you've got January, you've got New Year's resolutions. So you you were essentially, I mean, Alec, you're a fantastic leader bringing everybody on, but yes, it does, it weighs you down eventually. So are yeah. you still in leadership? Do you still have that position? Um, well, right now, like I, I'm, I'm uh, I basically wanted to you know, post, uh, fitness getting out of that. Um, it wasn't an easy, it, it was, it was a terrible, well, let's just say it was a terrible year after like I left because it was, well, this is what I've been doing for almost a decade, if not, you know, and it was like, man, uh, I lost like a sense of identity, truly. You know, I went through this like identity crisis, um, and lost like this kind of fulfillment, and, you know, but during that time and like kind of going through it, it allowed me to kind of figure out, you know, well, what is a migraine problem like I can solve? Like, what is a solution? Not like, not like a headache problem where everyone's like, oh, you know, I have a headache. I'm going to power through. But like, what's a migraine problem that is literally causing people, you know, hours off of their day, stress, you know, all those things. And so I'm still in the fitness industry. And that's like this new company that you know, we are launching right now and, you know, just started, but, you know, this was an idea that was, came about five to seven years ago. And, you know, now it's kind of, you know, a full circle. You couldn't be like more humble about the, the whole process, but leadership, as far as, you know, it's different because like as an owner, a CEO, founder, whatever you want to call this current role, if it's, if, if it's not me, then it's nobody, you know? So, I'm leading like our development team and our creative team and, you know, the, our internal team. Um, But really like it's a, it's a total different approach than what I was used to, because what I was used to, I was able to bounce these ideas off of my team. I was able to, you know, hear other people out and we were able to talk it through and be able to establish what was the best. Well, now this is uh, a little bit different. Um, So, yeah, I mean, in a sense I am, um, but not as much so as I was. And I feel like my job in the past kind of became more leadership than anything else. Like, I think once you get so big, there becomes, you know, a moment where you kind of, you kind of take the reins uh, from an operator to more of like this leadership role where you're, you're operating through leadership. Right. Absolutely. It, it t- Leadership is a very specific personality and a lot of people don't understand that. It's something that's brought, you know, it it happens. It's not something that you apply for. But you mentioned that 
you said we, you know, you said I had this idea six or seven years ago, and now we are developing it. Do you have any of those original teammates that you had back in Atlanta? No. No. Um, you know, really, I say that we had this idea. I remember exactly where I was sitting. And I remember having the conversation with my COO and we were trying to figure out, we were actually, we were testing like new CRM systems and new platforms and all of this. And it was so early on in the fitness space that like no one really had anything. And so I was like, you know, why don't we just create our own is like basically what the conversation that was had. And I remember we were both sitting there and he's like, listen, if we had the time, we definitely could have, but we don't have the time nor do we have the, the infrastructure to dedicate specifically to doing this build out. So we need to bring somebody else in that can turn this around within X amount of months. And that was the last conversation we had of it. Now you fast forward all these years. And, you know, I remember like uh, talking to him, I'm like, Hey, remember that idea that we had, like I'm running with it, you know? And, but yeah, as far as like the, the team um, that I had, you know, in South Florida and in, in Atlanta and all over, no, I mean, I still, I talked to a couple of them, um, but you know, it is, it's one, you're making a lot of money in a big co corporation, you know, and it's very hard for people to, if they're not fully invested in it, like I am to run and chase like, you know, opportunities versus money, you know, everyone has family. And I think whenever people say like, Hey, chase opportunities versus money. I think those people are saying that are saying it have like a little bit of a nest egg that they're comfortable. You know what I mean? Like I say it all the time, but at the end of the day, like I'm the one that's betting on myself. Some people aren't comfortable doing that and they would rather kind of like, you know, follow than lead. And so uh, I just told myself after I left my, the last situation, I'm like, I, I can never, I can't work for anybody. Like that's just, it's, it would never do well. I, I'm uh, nothing wrong about people that are, you know, following and, and climbing the ladder with their corporate job or, or not even, but I just knew that I never personally wanted to feel like I was hitting a ceiling. I never wanted to feel like the walls were, you know, closing in, like I hit my peak or this is the most that I can make, or I maxed out my comp plan. Those were, those were statements that I never wanted to hear. And those were things that I was told probably five or six times during my company, but I always found a way to break through of that barrier at that time to then something else, to something else, to something else. And so like now I think like sky's the limit um, because it's, it's, it's whatever we make of it, you know? And, you know, so yeah, I wish I, I did have a lot of those, but those people on, you know, but I think a lot of it came down to, it was also comfort. And if you don't break out of your comfort, then you're going to kind of just stay pretty complacent. Um, and so like, I think it's just bittersweet, you know, how it ended, but, uh, I think everyone, everyone and everything is like a part of your journey for a season. And I, th I think it's like friends, right? Like you and I both are kind of at the, the same age and same, same like reflection point of life where it's, you know, you have, there's a time like when we were all kids right? and we were going out or whatever the case is, I was like, you're going to be in my life forever. And next thing you know, a lot of seasonal friends kind of help you develop through life. And then you realize that, wow, the people that I'm surrounded with now are maybe like two to three that are staples, like staples that, that really make your life. And um, so that's kind of what I experienced. And it's nothing, I have no, there was nothing wrong with any of the team that I had. Like, I love all of those people, but I think it was just part of a season. 
you know, that it, we couldn't have had a better team than we did. Like we did all that we possibly could have. But when you are in a sinking ship situation, you personally can only plug so many holes and do so much that at the end of the day, I got to the point where I'm like, listen, I, I can't be a murderer with this situation. I can't just be, you know, so naive to think that, that this is going to be able to be turned around. Like I had to really step in and say, have I given everything that I possibly could in this situation or have I not? And it really got to that point where I had to be, you know, kind of let the pride go and say, Hey, listen, I've done everything that I could. This is just wrong timing, you know, and there was nothing wrong with any decisions that we made. And no one could have, no one could have planned that, you know, at the beginning of 2020, what was going to happen, you know? And so, you know, here we are. So, yeah, I mean, there's no better time than now. You said something that just I've never heard before, and it just is so powerful. You said, solve a migraine problem. You know, there's headache problems, and then there's migraine problems. And that's how you started. You started, you said, hey, I have an idea. Here it is. I'm pitching it. And it led you to, you know, a potential seven-figure success. What is that migraine problem that you're trying to work on now? So as much as I want to take credit for that, I mean, I read it in a book recently, um, probably like six months ago. Um, and that it really stuck with me because the story was that this guy just met someone that was like, you know, an entrepreneur and he was pitching this idea. And, you know, the person that he was pitching it to, they said, hey, like, I don't see a migraine problem. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And they're like, well, have you ever had a migraine? And he's like, well, no. I mean, she's like, well, let me tell you migraines here. How then coming from someone that is have had at the time a ton of migraines um a migraine knocks you out a migraine puts you on the ground into like a fetal position with the lights off and you know no noise with a pillow and a you know a washcloth on your head like it's it draws you to be sick and what we were we, we were establishing you know going through this and you know let's call it the last three four years we were establishing and we were working through headaches and we were able to kind of you know, put our blinders on. If we had a headache, it was like, kind of just like take some Tylenol and let's just power through something. And that was us in the tech space within the health clubs. What I mean by that is I personally would have to go to six different platforms to find one aspect. And I would have to do, you know, convert it to this file and download it here and, and then filter it this. And then I had to do all of this and give it to all of my team and what I found is that I was spending hours of my day deciphering through numbers and platforms when there had to be a better solution. And the solution was that I'm doing right now is, is taking all of those aspects that are within this fitness industry, potentially any industry, and creating one platform. And I think what happens is there's so many companies that you know, they, they see somebody doing something. So they create the next best thing inside that one avenue. And so there's seven avenues to make up one. And only, a, you know, there's very few people that are doing, you know, what it is that we're, we're doing. I mean, but at the same time, like, I'm not trying to fir- fight for first place. You know, I don't, I don't need to. I just know that no one else is fighting for second place. And there's no one else in third place. And it's, if you can make a migraine problem better than the person next to you, then who's not going to join, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, this, this solution is an absolute game changer. It is 
something. And honestly, what I was also thinking too is post last company, I ended up starting to look at, at everything as a multiple, meaning as we were getting ready to sell, the offers that we were getting were, you know, four or five, six times multiples. So whatever your EBITDA was, and you're getting these multiples, whether it's off EBITDA or revenue, that's how much you're going to sell your company for. And so every, let's say, you know, it was a three-time multiple. Every person that I would look at that was making $100,000, I'm thinking in my head, 3x that one person is potentially what we could get upon an exit if that person wasn't here. So what I started doing was I was doing that with my team and I was really evaluating the worth of people and what they were doing in their roles. And I found that the people that we had were doing the worth of their roles and we didn't need to like remove anyone. But then what I started seeing was, wait a minute, we're paying this vendor a quarter million dollars a year. But this vendor times a 3X multiple is almost a million dollars. Wait a minute, this vendor we're paying a half a million dollars to a year is it really worth $1.5 million? And so I started like collectively seeing all of these different platforms and what they could be worth if we had our own internal solution for all these different aspects, you know, whether it's billing, CRM, a client management system, your fitness, reporting, you know, AI integration, like the list goes on and on. Um, what I just realized was having all that in one centralized location where you were in control was was the was the migraine solution. And that is a migraine. I remember that uh I didn't remember it until you brought it up, but I remember having to use all those different platforms and having to go through several different CRMs. And every time I would switch gyms, because you know, I went through, uh, I did personal training, then I went to coaching, then I went to a private and then like back and forth because I couldn't decide which one I liked. And it turns out I didn't really like any of them. But um, so essentially what you're doing is you're cutting costs for these, these clubs. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what, why I started it. Um, you know, as a fitness owner, like I was like, well, I'm disgusted, right? Like, I'm like, wow, like, I don't want to pay. I don't want us to pay that. I don't want us to pay that. But now I think about it, about all these owners. Like I know someone that um, during the pandemic started, started up a new franchise concept for kickboxing. And now she's doing yoga. And I remember that she was having coffee with her and going, listening to her and just talking. She, you know, was just talking about all the costs and I'm, it's like hitting me. It's like just right in front of me the entire time when we were doing this. I'm like, man, I could save all these people so much money. And, you know, I think a lot of these people, there's a difference between greed and success, right? Like, I think you can still be very successful without being greedy. And I think what happens to a lot of these like juggernaut companies is people are willing to pay for them. So why would I want to lower them? And why would I want to change my core competency when I know that these people are going to pay for it? My concept is, kind of like Netflix, right? Like Netflix has a big problem right now. People sharing passwords. They just lost, you know, a massive amount over 30% last week of their total worth and value because numbers came out of so many people that canceled. Well, it wasn't really a cancellation. It was, hey, here's my password. And, you know, so much of sharing that. And so like, this is a Netflix issue, like a Netflix thing that I'm trying to do. I would want to go after volume of people and cut costs. And it's like a sharing password. Like, I mean, it's more people on it not necessarily the more money you're going to make, but at the same time, it's going to be saving these people so much money. And I think with anything, with, you know, given the right, you know, um, given the right processes and, you know, experience through this and success with it, every success with it, it will all come back. And I think that's like the big difference is 
you know, I think everyone's trying to hit a home run overnight. And, you know, well, the one thing that I've kind of like really honed in on is like, I need to respect and, and, and enjoy the journey because the journey that I was just on, it wasn't enjoyable in the last like years. Like it was, it was a miserable time. And as you just kind of get back in the last, last, the, you know, 2020 and 2021, it was not good. It wasn't good mentally. It wasn't good, you know, emotionally, physically. It went through a lot of issues, ruins relationships, you know, had my therapist on speed dial. Um, but it was, you know, it was, it was a tough time. Um, so now I think it's like, I'm at a place now where I've, I just respect that, you know, that entire time that it's kind of taken me to get to here. So Alec, it's so funny that you say that because I always talk about chasing the plastic cheese. You know, you're on the hamster wheel, you're running, you're running, you're running, you get that cheese and then you're like, this isn't, doesn't taste as good as I wanted it to. That's in terms of money, you yeah. know? So I want to talk to you a little bit about, because you said, you know, 2020 was such a hard year for you. I, I mean, I can imagine you have the seven figure number in front of you. It gets snatched away. You know, it can get to a man. How, when did you decide like, hey, you know what? I need to go chat with my therapist. Um, well, honestly, I mean, I didn't have a therapist until this, like this caused me to go through this. And I, I, it wasn't until after I left. So I left my company. Um, I was able to, basically I left. I said, Hey, here's the equity. I can't, I can't give, I can't give any more to this. And I can't continue to hurt myself personally, emotionally. Like I was just going through it. And I, so I, I recognized and I left. So, um, I left and then truly I thought I was happy. You know, I, I'm a big golfer and I golfed every course I ever wanted to. I went on this like hiatus for months and it was like golfing every day. And, you know, I was like, then it got to a point where I'm like, what am I doing? Like I, I had no fulfillment. I had my, that, that loss of identity, like I told you really was a loss of identity and it got worse and worse and worse. And when I tell you it got to a point where I couldn't get out of bed, I was laying there and I literally couldn't. I was this person that if you were to ask me years ago and you were to tell me, oh, I can't come into work today, I'm depressed. I was that person because I didn't know about depression that I was literally like, you know what, that is made up. You need, you're telling me that you can't flip this switch and say, you know what, I'm depressed or not, no way. And I was like, I'm depressed all the time. You know, you know, I was using that word so loosely and I didn't really recognize until personally I was in it and I was depressed, depressed. Like I, you know, again, doing the same thing with the same people for a decade, thinking you're going to do this and this and this. And then one day you have no more emails coming to your inbox. You don't have those calls of your, your, your people that were working for you calling you anymore. You don't have, you know, X, Y, and Z or quarterly meetings or any, anything like, so all of that, that people were coming to me for slowly started to trickle away. Cause as I left, like I would still, my daily routines, it's hard to break them. I was still calling the same people. Hey, how are we doing? How, you know, just like checking in and that, you know, one call a day turned in like once every other week or, you know, once a month. And then it just really stopped. And so I think during that process, you know, that depression hit me and, I, was, I remember I was dating someone at the time and hands down this ruined that, that relationship because, you know, I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't want to go on any trips with this person. I didn't want to go play golf. I didn't want to 
talk to anybody, go to any dinners or have people over. Like I didn't. And as, as a social butterfly as I am, when these people started seeing this, it was like, well, this isn't good, you know? And I had some people like checking in, but I wouldn't call people back. I, I didn't really care because as much as someone can try to say, Hey, like I, I get what you're going through. No one really does because I was a night that was that person that was, you know, empathetic for others, but like, I wasn't sympathetic. Like I didn't really, I couldn't, I couldn't convey what it was they were going through. Um, and so like I had referenced earlier, I, I was, I would have all these team meetings every day and I would have these people crying to me on the phone. And like, I was giving them my emotion, you know, I was giving them everything that I wasn't giving myself. And then when kind of the lights went off and this, this end happened of this journey, I was like, Whoa. And, you know, I, I reached out to some people and like, they gave me some recommendations and I, I met with someone here in Dallas and, you know, I was talking to him on a regular basis and, you know, it was, he was the one that kind of like helped me realize like, you aren't giving yourself, like you aren't helping your tank right now. You're helping the emotional stability of others by being that like foundation. But who's your foundation? I was like, well, I don't really have one, you know? And, it, and when I was, when I had this relationship during the time, it was also like a pride moment for me that I didn't want to let her know that I was depressed. I didn't want to let her know that because in my mind, I was like, man, I'm failing. Like I'm, I'm not, you know, it's like, I think it's like this, generational thing where you know the guy wants to be you know the the alpha in the situation and I felt you know very embarrassed to be like you know what like I'm sorry but I need some help you know because that person could not relate to what just happened you know I I built something over the course of you know years and years and years and by one day essentially it all slipped away and you know so it was like a big eye-opening experience like for me going through that because I couldn't give anyone anything. I couldn't give anyone any attention, any love, any emotion. And so, yeah, that was a, that was a tough time, but I, I, I need, I needed to go through that. I would say that our generation is one of the first that feels comfortable admitting, okay, it's time for help because I I was the same way. I was like, why do I asked my father, I was like, dad, why are people depressed when they can just be happy? And he was like, Megan, it doesn't work like that. But last year it hit me. And I was like, okay, I'm depressed. I'm actually depressed. And that's when I started therapy as well. But other than therapy, is there anything that you do specifically when you're like, ooh, Alec, something's happening. We're slipping back into our old habits. You know, that's a good question because it's still something that I try to, I mean, I recognize it and it's still something that I try to, um, you know, do. But I think like for me, I, I that's one place that I, I, I think I will always grow in that, you know, like everyone should. Um, I don't have like a, a meditation routine or this or that. Like, I mean, I went on a, like a super long walk with the dog the other day because like I was kind of like going kind of like, oh man, like this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. You know, I left my phone and kind of just like unplugged for a minute. I think that's one thing. Like I am, I'm first to say like, it is very hard for me to unplug. It's hard for me to walk into the Whole Foods and grocery shop without my phone and me trying to see if I got an email or something like that is something that um, it's like a, always a, like a learning process. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm still definitely working on that. But yeah, for the most part, like I don't have like a routine. Um, I try in this in this phase and I would have done really well with is I don't put as much stress on myself as I used to. Um, you know, I try to give myself like, you know, 
that rest, that recoup, you know, I, I was working off of three, three to hours a night, you know, as, as deep sleep or all my sleep. So I'm like, you know what, like, I'm going to go to bed earlier. I'm going to like, I have that flexibility now to really take care of myself. And it, it is, you know, it's something that I've been, I think getting better with as time comes, but um, yeah, I think it's just a, a forever, you know, path that we're on to kind of just remembering, Hey, remember that time that you were, <laughs> You were really tough to get out of bed. You know, let's not slip back there. But how how many hours are you sleeping? Uh, well, I, I I'm a big Whoop guy. Yeah. Um, shout out to Whoop. Um, but I would say, like on average, right now, I'm um, I'm comfortable, and I probably get like the most, you know, uh, recharged at like five six hours. Um, I know it doesn't really sound great, but um, that's usually what kind of does me you know well because i'm like a night owl but i'm also like up pretty early so it's like i'm trying to find this balance um but yeah i'd say like six hours probably. yeah we're kind of like in the same boat of life because i was a three to four hour girl now i'm like i'm barely reaching six hours and i'm, pr- I'm proud of that for yeah. some odd reason what do you do when you wake up in the morning how does your your day start uh, it usually starts with um, a mini golden doodle hovering above me, uh, talking like a dinosaur to take him to the park. Um, so we'll start with the park. And then I'm a big person, like every, my, my sister and everyone around me is like, you know, you need to really cut this out. It's costing you a ton of money. But I'm a big person. I love going to a coffee shop every morning. I like seeing the same people. I like saying hi. I like them. You know, it's it, when you walk in, you feel comfortable. They have your coffee, you know. It's just that that little routine. Um, so yeah, I mean, I get up, I take the dog for a walk. We'll, take, we'll go to the park and we'll go grab a coffee and, and kind of just um, start your day as far as like, okay, what do I have? Like, let's see, you know, do I have meetings coming up? Do I need to have an agenda ready? Do I need to prep for it? Is there a review that I needed to do? Um, right now we're in this development stage where I would say like our platform is like 75, 80% done, like for the most part. And like the big aspect right now is, is the design feature. So we... We coded out or we, we figured out all of the design attributes and now we are plugging it in and I couldn't be more excited about it. But every week is like something, something, something. Um, so, yeah, I kind of uh, I sit down and I kind of just manage my day before it starts. I was a big person that, you know, um, one of my partners used to say, you know, in the very big, I mean, this is years ago now. It's make sure you manage your day versus your day managing you. And when we got to the point where we had so many employees under us there was never a day that I managed my day. It was always my day was managing me and I was just putting out fires. So it was very hard to basically be, you know, ahead of the the game. Um, So like right now, like I make sure that I manage my day um, and control it versus things slipping away and, you know, taking its toll of me. Are you managing? Okay. Let's go back for a second. How many people are you working with on, on the launch of this new tech startup? Um, we have a total of five developers, um, three people on our creative and design team. Um, it's myself, uh, my sister works for me. She is basically, I was able, and this is probably like one of the most rewarding things so far is like, I was able to tell her, Hey, quit your job, quit your salary comfort and come work for me. I'll pay you more. And she was just like, Oh, are you? And, you know, I'm like, yeah. And we were sitting here on this island, this kitchen. And she's like, can you explain, like, what's in your head? Like, what are you, what are you trying to do again? And I literally took this whiteboard 
And I was drawing this circle of like this one aspect and then all these like tentacles of everything that I wanted to bring to it. So not only did I confuse her more, but I thought as soon as she left, there's no way she's going she's gonna to say yes. And I was like, oh my God. Sure enough, she jumped, she came on. So it's her, um, she handles like, we just did this office build out from like concrete to like no walls to we move in this week of the nicest, you know, working environment she could have ever created. So she's doing like all the office builds. She's kind of being the admin for me. She's basically being my person of the things that I have decided and throughout the time that I'm not good at. So she's helping kind of bridge that gap. Um, we're looking for obviously a few more employees, but yeah, we're, we are 10 or 12 people deep right now. And we're looking to double our development team um, for the build. I mean, wow. the amount of money that we spend on a monthly basis for just development hours is a, an obscene dollar amount. And so for us to kind of now say that we're going to double it, is just like it's it's crazy to really think about and you know ponder that. But yeah, I mean we we got a we got a solid team right now and we'll keep growing. That's a lot more than I thought. I don't know in my head when when you when you told me this, I was like, oh cool, he's developing this thing on his own. You know, you do it at your at your kitchen island here. But there's nothing like working with your sibling because it's just like an odd dynamic because you know that you can trust them with whatever's going to happen. It's blood. It's a very different because my brother's also my business partner and we brought two other guys to be a part of one of our businesses. And I, I was like, Jake, are you sure? Are you sure? So you kind of delegate certain tasks to her. And <laughs> it's so funny what you were saying, because when my brother asked me to come work with the company that he was at, I was like, no, never. It took me a year, but he did mm -hmm. the same thing. He pulled out the whiteboard the tentacles. That's, that's too funny that you said that. So it's about 75 to 80% done. Do you have a date that you're anticipating to launch? Yeah. I, I mean, I think like the um, grand reveal, I mean, no one is really like, it's very like hush hush right now. I mean, like me coming on here is like the only time I've, I've ever said anything, you know, like I've had people that like reach out on my LinkedIn. I, I mean, I have like 10,000 people on there that are like, Oh, what have you been up to? Or do you want to come work here? Do you want And I'm like, no, I'm working on something, you know, and some people have seen like some people that are close to me in my circle have obviously seen like some of it and some, you know, I've reached out to a couple people that I consider like mentors and, you know, I've kind of shown them and kind of given them some things. And, you know, everyone at this point that is that, you know, that I show is like, when can I, when can I start canceling my other items and, and use this? And I'm like, well, you know, I've, I've had definitely people that have like through the grapevine have heard. And I'm like, well, you just got to wait. But um, the big fitness conference is coming up at the end of June. Um, you know, we're all scheduled meetings with a bunch of people and, you know, I already have some set up, uh, but really like we're going to be done like in a couple weeks. Um, and I think that ne those next weeks to that month will, will really just be trying to break it, trying to like, you know, do I like this button here? Do I not? Do I like this here? Do I like okay. this graph? Um, so a lot of it is kind of just tinkering, um, for right now, but you know, it's the platform itself is built, you know, it's just now we're making it look like a Ferrari versus, you know, the reliable Honda. Um, so yeah. Yeah. The design and coding, I just, I, I'm sure, you know, I just started a blog and I didn't realize how much goes into that, but the design and coding, I see why graphic artists, designers, I'm not sure what they're called, why they charge so much. Because if I move one yep. little button, like one inch, it can make all the difference in the world. I totally get that. So you, like, I mean, I've been watching you since, I don't know, you know, we're 20, 
no, 16 years old, 16 years old. And yeah. for the last few years, I'm like, I have no idea what Alec does. You know, you always, you're always having a great time. Golf, you're like a very avid golfer. Yeah. Didn't you win like a championship I mean, recently we, or? Uh, yeah, my buddy and I, we play in a lot of tournaments together, like two man tournaments. And we, we've won, we've been in, I think we've been in like three or four together and we've, we've top three, uh, two of them. Um, so we got a couple coming up, but yeah, well, I mean, during that time in pre COVID, like, I mean, <laughs> I was golfing every day, so I should have been pretty good at it at that time. But, uh, yeah, I'm not golfing as much as I would like to right now, but it is something that, you know, for me, it's like that release that you were talking about. Like if I go out with my buddies, you know, we, we walk a lot of the courses around here in Dallas. My buddy's a member at, um, we're, we all have different memberships at places, but the one that he is a member at, you have to walk. And so, it's, it's you're forced to walk and kind of forget about everything else. And it's a, it's a great experience. That's fantastic. Are you planning on just staying in Dallas? Is that your new hotspot? I love Dallas, honestly. I mean, I have family here. I think that makes all the world uh, of a difference. I, I mean, I was in Atlanta for five, six years and I had no family, no support, no real friends. I, as soon as I got to Dallas, I met somebody and I started dating them for the entirety of like my existence in Atlanta. So I really didn't do Atlanta or that whole process the right way. All my friends really became her friends and, you know, my family wasn't there. And so now like I have, you know, siblings here. I have my niece and nephew here. My parents are here, you know, a week out of the month. You know, I'm able to go to my niece's volleyball tournaments every weekend whenever she has them. You know, the other day I took my, my cousin or my cousin, my nephew needed a haircut. I'm like, come on, let's go. You're, you're looking you know, like, like, a like Henry, you know, when he doesn't have his haircut and, you know, we'll play basketball and we'll go to the games. And, you know, from that, it really allows me to kind of have like that rewarding feeling, you know, to be in their life, you know, they're not, they're not old enough to where they're going to be leaving the nest, you know, tomorrow, but they're also not too young where I have this, this, you know, 20 years of time with them, you know, they have, you know, a handful of more years before they're, they're off and they're, you know, you're, they're too cool for you. you know? oh, wow. So I'm really enjoying this time. Uh, you're having a great time and it shows. So dating in Atlanta was easy. What's dating like in Dallas? Well, I say, I don't know if dating in, in Atlanta was easy, um, but I, I did stumble into someone like rather quickly. Dallas, when I moved here, um, really wasn't focused on it. And then like after a while, I was, you know, it was my first time on these apps, you know, and, dating in in dallas i think you know is the same as like all major cities like think about the concept of a dating app is you aren't really i mean no, no matter what anyone says you aren't looking at all the the aspects of their you know this and that you the first thing that you see is a picture you know so the swiping it really the swiping in our generation has caused like such a materialistic viewpoint of the start of a relationship you know no one's going on there and seeing the title of you know your what you do for your career and then looking up the company and being like oh wow you know you do this this there's none of that you know i i think this whole aspect of swiping really takes away from the you falling for somebody for somebody versus you're falling for someone and getting to know them for their looks um and i think in dallas what i i said this multiple times i said the longer that I feel, um, and this was a little while ago, but I felt like, and I, my friends agree, they're like, the longer that I am single in Dallas, the harder I find it to really be into a relationship. Because the thing about Dallas is 
one, there's beautiful people everywhere. But two, like there is this like same age range as myself that are very career minded and, you know, business focused. And it's like, you want to go to dinner? No problem. And like, that's the extent of it. And I think a lot of people for Dallas is the grass is always greener. And I think that's probably the case in a lot of big cities is the grass is always greener. And, you know, you may not like one aspect of someone. So you get back on the app and you start the swiping process all over again. And it's an ongoing, you know, uh, it's an ongoing cycle, um, which is I, I, I was going through this heavily, this dating process. And I'm like, was getting so annoyed with it just because I'd go on all these dates and I would find all these people. And then I was like, all right, I don't like this person, you know, whatever it is. And so I said, I said, I'm creating a dating app. And like, I went down this road of creating a dating app and the premise was incredible. Like I'm standing by it to say that it was good, but then I lost, uh, like I started doing other things, obviously. And I mean, we created a big chunk of it. Um, and recently, I like a couple months ago, I saw someone with the same idea and I'm like, oh, more prior to them. Like, I just didn't have time to do it. Um, but like, I didn't want to go through the process of what's your favorite color? What food do you like? What are you allergic to? All in a chat. Like it was a copy and paste situation where I was getting to the point. I hate saying this, but I was getting to the point where I was holding down my intro lines to people and I was just sending it and then deleting their name and putting the other person's name and sending it and deleting it and doing this all, you know, over and over and over again. Cause I was like, listen, online dating is a numbers game. You have to go through this number of chats. So you find somebody that is at least, you know, giving you the, not the attention you need, but the connection that you feel or you, you know, you want. And so, um, yeah, it just got to like this, this, this process where I was just like, well, this is, this is a lot, but well, it sounds yeah. like you have a lot of success on dating apps to be able to do that. But how how do you get well, so many matches? I, how does this happen? Uh, listen, if I'm no I'm no marketing guru, but I think someone needs to have a good profile. If it's if you have good pictures, if it's funny, if you like catch someone, you know, you should have like a decent opening line. If you have something on there that grabs someone's attention then it, they'll at least say something. Um, but what I found was like, when I when I started the dating app, I had this also this, this, this mess, I don't know if this method, I had this game plan, I, I will say, that if it didn't work out, I became friends with the person. And then what I what happened was like, I was infiltrating friend groups. And then I was making friends with these people in the friend groups. And then if it didn't work out, I was still friends with all these people. And I, I established like a great network in Dallas. And a lot of times, people I would go on dates with, if they met any of my friends or any of my girlfriends, they would still talk to my girlfriends. And like, I, you know, I would exit quietly and, you know, like, Hey, I still want you guys to be friends. Like it just wasn't working out for me here. Um, but yeah, that I, I kind of do the same thing where I, I always make friends with the friends, but I'm actually, I'm not dating right now. It's just like, I'm, I'm leaving the state. Like there's no point in me dating. I've only used J swipe right? Which is the Jewish mm -hmm. dating app. And I've never been on Tinder. I've never downloaded it. I think I tried to use Hinge for a day and then I got some anti-Semitic comments and I was like, okay, fuck this, I'm out. But um, on mm -hmm. J-Swipe, if a guy didn't have you, – you mentioned marketing. So if a guy just had like a picture and he didn't have a profile, like a, a bio or anything, I was like, no, you're not selling me on you. Like, you know, you can't go with a pretty yeah. face. But – Okay, so date, but dating for an entrepreneur, dating as a business person, it looks a lot different. And I was talking to someone about this yesterday because your day never actually ends. 
You're working constantly whether you want to or not because your brain is always working. You're always thinking, oh, new concept, new concept, new concept. How does that play a role in your life with that? Uh, Well, like right now, like I'm dating somebody and um, I think for the most part, what, you know, makes this work is, you know, we both recognize each other's schedules and what we both have in each other's, you know, individual lives. And so it's not a um, everyday situation. You know, it's like, you know, hey, during this week, like, what are you doing on Tuesday? What are you doing on Thursday? And, you know, we find this time together that mutually works. Um, But, you know, what I try to really do is in past, you know, I wasn't great at turning it off. And like, that was something that like, even in this process, when starting this business, I said, look, I want to have fun. I don't want to be as stressed as I once was. And I want to be able to turn it off to enjoy personal life and, you know, not let this be an excuse to take over my life. And so when we go out to dinner, um, you know, I try my very hardest to, unless it's like a SOS 911 call, which, you know, hasn't happened, but, you know, like if anyone were to text and, you know, break through that do not disturb barrier, um, you know, then we would kind of address it. But, you know, for the most part, like when I go out to dinner, I'm on a date or if I'm even with my friends, like over the weekend, like. I try to really keep my me time, my me time and not letting that really get influenced by, you know, things that can wait for tomorrow or wait, you know, what I realized this was, you know, is when in the last company, it kind of hit me and like I ran into a sliding glass door, like it came out of nowhere, right? Like I thought, you know, I got to fix this problem today. Well, the reality was, is the problem was going to still be there tomorrow. You know, like you weren't going to fix it at 10 o'clock at night. Like I could stress over it. But the only thing that that was going to do was ruin my sleep, ruin my night, and I wasn't going to accomplish anything. So why not deal with it the next day? And that's kind of like the approach that I take right now is I need to live more in the moment. I need to, if if I'm dating right now, it's because, you know, I'm really wanting to give someone my energy. And at the same time, like I respect theirs. And um, I think the time that, you know, you spend with someone, especially like, again, being in our thirties, you know, like. Yeah, I think everyone, if they were to have a blank canvas of, you know, when you're 15, 16 years old, tell me what your life's going to look at when you're 30. It's probably a lot different than, you know, where we're sitting right now. And what I realize is like that status, you know, quo or what society kind of paints for you isn't where I am. And, but I don't let that really be a deterrent to my day-to-day life. I just think, you know, right now I need to kind of just do a better job than I did in the past. And so that's really my big focus. So you were really able to separate it, I guess, from pre-2020 to post-2020. Is that kind of what I'm understanding? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm so different. I mean, it's, um, I, I, I'm self-aware to realize that. Like, it's, it's a drastic difference for me. You know, I'm, a, I'm able to, like, see past relationships that didn't work out and see, you know, hey, not that, like, I live in regret, but there was times that I, I, I generally felt bad. Um, but at the same time, like it could be a, a working relationship where, you know, I was so high, strung and stressed and, you know, other things that I wasn't able to give someone like my all in some cases and situations. And, and now, you know, like, for, for example, like this, um, this office build, this office build has been a true nightmare. Like, like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, different color, you know, than we picked for this, the doors are on backwards, the wrong doors, there's no windows, there's no glass, the floorings are like you name it, 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 it's been, everything has been wrong. But like in my past, I would have been like so stressed about it. And now I'm like, oh, well, these, these, this other color is fine. 
you know, these doors are fine. You know, I'm like, I, I don't care. And my sister was getting stressed because it's her pro- progress or project. And she didn't want, you know, her first thing to really, you know, disappoint me. And I'm like, Hey, listen, it's totally fine. You know, I, I'm cool with it. So I've, I've just been able to be just so much more carefree, you know? And, and I think that that's what allows you to kind of just live your life, you know, and, and be happy with it. And so that's where we're at. What are, I guess, what are a few things that you would tell 25 year old Alec? Well, that's a, that is a deep, dark, tough question. I mean, um, really, I think what I said earlier is really, you know, you respect and enjoy the journey. I think when you're 25, when I was 25, I was making more money than probably most people in like their thirties and forties. And so like, I had this like complex and, you know, I valued money, you know, I didn't, I don't know if I didn't really valued money, right? Like I did the value of a dollar to me wasn't like what it was for someone that was making, you know, a third of what I was, you know? So for me, um, I was chasing that dollar. I was chasing, you know, the ability to buy this and that and, you know, all those things. And I think that's what happens to most people when they start getting quote unquote money is like, you know, your expenses increase, your habits increase and, and things like that. And I think that's fine as long as it's like you're living within your, within your means. Um, but I think like for me at 25, like, respect and enjoy the journey. Um, cause you know, at 25, you kind of think like you're in a position where you're like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do so well. I'm going to climb this ladder. I'm going to sell, I'm going to, you know, retire. Well, you could do 50 more things from that time at 25. Um, my dad used to always say your twenties are don't screw up. Don't get in trouble with the law. Don't do something that's going to hinder, you know, your thirties, your thirties are your career moment. You're, you're enjoying life. You're establishing yourself. You're, you're, you're having a family, you know, and then the rest of your life is predicated on to what you've done in your, in your late twenties to thirties. And, you know, so I think like during COVID, I used that mindset of like, what he was saying to be like, Hey, instead of freaking out about this, about an age or a timeline, or where should I be in comparison to friends or this and that, like what I need to realize is like my, my life is so young, you know, I can, I can really just go and do whatever. And, you know, honestly, like I, I look at a lot of my friends, and I look at family members and I see so many people that, again, not to say depressed, but unhappy. And they're stuck at the nine to five that they hate. They hate their boss. They hate this. They hate that. And it's easier said than done to say, go find another job. Because at the end of the day, they have to put a you know dinner on the table for their three kids. Or they have this responsibility or they have that responsibility. And it is too frightening for them to give up comfort. And I think right now, because I don't have any of that, I have the ability to be selfish. I have the ability to bet on myself and, you know, really try to, you know, figure things out because when I have a family, I'm not going to be able to be as, you know, um, spontaneous, if you will, or be this entrepreneur that's putting everything on, on his shoulders and running through walls. And, you know, if this fails, like, you know, I fail, doesn't mean I, I, my life's over yeah, there's a lot of money that's tied into this with investors and, you know, things like that. But at the end of the day, like I, I won't, like I have that mindset and that drive and, you know, I, I never want to feel like how I did, you know, in 2020, I never want to be able to, you know, have the, you know, excuse of putting my emotions aside for other situations that are out of my control. So like in this time that, I mean, I would just kind of power through it. Um, I think be vulnerable, right? I think that's what really kind of comes through to my 25. You know, it's like, I think everyone's a little afraid to 
be vulnerable enough instead of being prideful, like I told you, you know, I was so afraid of what others were going to think and, you know, what people around me, you know, they valued me to be this. And if they knew that this was failing, they would think something else. And so it was a lot that I kind of put on my shoulders through that. And, you know, even in that, I think I just, everyone needs to kind of be more authentic, you know, be more true. And, you know, we would take all these, um, personality like test through work I don't know if you've ever done them but yeah, right but like you have how you are at work and then you have how you are you know outside and I think like outside or inside your your work like you flex sometimes to be more of different categories than maybe you would like on a Saturday at brunch with your friends and things like that and so I think just being more authentic would have been something that you know I could have definitely um definitely done with with when I was 25 I think 25-year-old um, Alec would be happy to know that you're being very vulnerable today by coming on here and discussing everything. I, you know, yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this because I've learned a lot from you. Um, and I, I look forward to learning more because there's still so many more questions that I have. Where can everybody find you if they, they want to get in touch, if they want to apply for a job and see what, what they can do for you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I will, uh, I don't know, do we like, do we post uh, or do I tag my LinkedIn or something? Yeah. I think LinkedIn's probably the so best So I will, situation. yeah, I'll add everything in the show notes, um, but just find you on LinkedIn and do they want, you, you want them to shoot you an email? Yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best. Um, it's just Alex Salzman um, in that search, I'll pop up and, you know, all of my information is through there. But um, yeah, I think, I think LinkedIn's the best best place for someone to find me thank you so much for supporting art of the misfit podcast be sure to check the show notes if you'd like to connect with alec subscribe to art of the misfit podcast and rate us five stars i'll see you again on tuesday with a solo episode and again next friday with an interview i'll see you soon